Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what is popping today? JC, I am loving the YouTube comments today. Losers. Losers. What are you doing calling our T-loppers losers? Just making sure they're paying attention. Yeah, nah, you just dropped that one episode today mm -hmm. that I was laying in bed last night. And I was like, ah, shit, he's going to drop it, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was I hope one. it does well. Yeah, they always do well. Yeah, but this one, we kind of came at it pretty raw. Told the truth. It's my yes. favorite. People have yes. low self-esteem and need to hear the truth. That's why we're so soft as a society. Okay. All right. You know what? Speaking of being soft as a society... Um, don't know if you've seen the most recent SNL mm -mm. that had Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. as the as the guest host. I saw the link, didn't click it. You need to go watch it. At least go watch the soft opening because it's funny as shit. It's basically Fox News divorcing Donald Trump. Oh, I think I saw that one. Um, and I like anything that's political satire. And then Chappelle, though, he just lays it out. Like, I love him. He stands by who he is. He trusts that he's a great person mm -hmm. at, at, at his core. He's going to push the envelope, but he is also going to speak his truth and not hide from it. I thoroughly enjoyed his monologue. Thought he did it exceptionally well. I've never watched Saturday Night Live. Well, Ever? I've never. It's not my cup of tea. That's un-American. It's trash. It's not even that is, funny. That is almost Half as... Half of that shit is not even funny. I agree with you. I 100%. When, when you watch SNL, you are not watching it for an hour and a half of humor. And a lot of times the musical act is garbage. It's trash. But... You watch it for that 20 minutes or that seven minutes of just pure comic genius. Ren and Stimpy is more humorous, in my opinion, than anything I've seen on Saturday Night Live. Yep. At me, bro. And you know what my father said about opinions? They're, they're sticking, like the asshole thing? Yeah, they're like assholes. Yeah. Yep, everyone has one <laughs> yeah. and they all stink. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know what else is un-American? What's that? How about you and I not being able to remember that the Emancipation Proclamation was 1863, not 36 like I inversed it, yeah. and Abraham Lincoln is the 16th yeah, president, I'm, not the 17th that's president. temporary storage for my brain just so I could pass the test that it was asked of me in middle school, and I immediately forgot it. How about I just was up in Gettysburg. I just read a book on this, the, the Civil War. And for whatever reason, my brain pushed that war back almost three solid decades. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who's tuning in, like, why are they talking about this? We're referencing a previous episode. Yeah, so go back and watch it. Yes, or listen to it, right? You can watch it on YouTube, or you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or really anywhere you find your podcast for your listening pleasure. Yeah. Please do this one also. Check out our freaking website, guys and girls. Go visit it. TheLoanOfficerPodcast.com. Also, tloponline.com it is chock full of lessons from the classroom additional training content as well as links to some of the best resources in the mortgage and real estate industries mm -hmm. we have lead trackers we have guides we have scripts yep. we have it all there including a community message board that's the best one i think for those people who are uh, premium members it's a damn cheat sheet all right, so number one, right? We're just going to jump right into it. Are we going to jump into it? Yeah. You don't want to, like, maybe lay it out and, and let people know the backstory behind all this? D.O. came into my cube this morning and said, hey, I they're got— They're called workstations, John. No, they're cubes with no ceilings. Okay. 
And it was like, hey, I know what we're talking about today. And it was like, what? I got some questions that I feel that these are real questions. That's the premise for today's episode. Yeah. So what I've been doing is I've been tracking the questions, whether I answer them on LinkedIn, whether we answer them on YouTube. Um, Sometimes I've been known to actually hop on a phone call. Uh Uh-oh. With a T-lopper. Dio, is this really you? You sound just like yourself. Yeah. Hey, it sounds just like you. Yep, it really is me. Uh, because sometimes it's just way easier for me to call someone on my drive home or my drive to the gym then, yeah. instead of trying to be Type a... Type out an answer. Correct. So I picked nine questions. These are nine questions that I have received over the past probably three to six weeks. And then we categorized them. Because mm-hmm. like, you know what? This podcast is not just for mortgage professionals. We talk about the incessantly. It's everything mm-hmm. you should have learned in high school. Yep. And although I call it the Loan Officer Podcast because at my core, I am a mortgage loan originator. I also own a real estate investment company. I also run a very successful podcast along with my partner, John Coleman. Holler. I also have been a mentor to college students at the University of Central Florida. I'm also a father. I'm also a son. I'm also a husband. And all those things culminate into what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. So we're going to break up the questions into three different categories, right? Those categories are advice. I would give someone that's more career advice, advice or answers to questions for mortgage loan originators, Mm -hmm. and then advice that I would give to managers. And what I love about the managers is although the bulk of these questions came in from mortgage managers or people who run real estate brokerages, the answers to the questions will cover plethora of industries Mm because to me managing and leading is managing and leading Mm -hmm. so we're gonna now we can jump right in now we can dive nice so hey how about the guy that gave you shit for not listening or not not following major league baseball but you always rock your red Sox. it falls right into my assumption which is true that if you say outlandish things someone's gonna hop in the comments and that just helps the algorithm so thank you person (laughs) baseball still sucks as a sport but you'll still rock that red side. Because hat. it's the only one because I'm from Massachusetts and it's like that's why I wear I'm from Springfield, Mass. People, that's why I wear a hat. I don't like baseball. I don't enjoy baseball. Hell, I'm to this point now where I don't even really like sports. So are you just repping Mass? Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. But you're from Springfield, you're repping Boston. Or does Boston kind of represent yeah, like, everybody? Well, it's small enough that, you know, I think Massachusetts is small enough that Boston, Springfield, they don't even care. Are you from Massachusetts? Oh, you're from Boston? Call Pocta. Yeah, sure, whatever. Okay. There's other things. But yeah, I digress, as Dio would say. Question number one, as it pertains to career advice, Dio, what is the best advice you've gotten, career advice you've ever received? Oh, so I can go back to the years, probably 1999. I had joined a a club at UCF. I was still a student. And the club was specifically for people who are majoring advertising and public relations. And we had a speaker come in. I don't remember his or her name. Like literally don't remember if it was a dude or a chick. But the person came in and they flat out told us in your career, it'll be more about who you know versus what you know. Obviously what you know matters, but who you know matters most. So they congratulated us because we had joined a club that was specifically designed to support network with other people who are majoring what we were majoring. But it was that moment that I was like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm making as many business connections in my community as I am also studying how to be a great practitioner. So that is a piece of advice that has always stuck out to me that I make sure I share with anyone who is willing to listen. All right. Okay. Next question. Nice. Um, 
what did you learn? What's the most important thing you've learned since you've been in your career? What have you learned? Ooh, okay. I remember actually who it was that that answered this question, that asked this question originally. His name is Cody. Cody's a 29 year old college student. He was um, served our country in the Air Force. He's now using his uh, GI benefits, GI Bill benefits, to obtain his business degree. And he asked me that question. I was, I wrote it down. I'm like, oh, that's a great question because I didn't know how to answer it right away. So first, shout out to Cody. Shout out. What I learned along the way is don't go at it alone. Yet you need a partner or you need a coach or you need a mentor and put a priority on that. Like if, if you're starting your own business, ask yourself, would I increase my odds of success with a partner or what could I pay someone else to teach me so that I don't have to spend two or three years learning it on my own, right? That would be a coach or on the mentor aspect. If I take job opportunity A versus job opportunity B, which one comes with the better mentor? Mm. Now that's something you're, you're going to follow your gut and hopefully you figure that out during the interview process. But that's something I, I learned along the way. Nice. All right. Rounding it out. What would you do different in your career? Oh, I would think bigger. I would think bigger earlier. Like I'm a big thinker, right? I think you would agree knowing me for the past three years. Massive, that, massive. Yeah, that, that there's probably two things that I hear when, when someone wants to give me positive feedback. I can also give you 15 things when they give me negative feedback mm -hmm. or corrective criticism, as they like to call it. <laughs> but um, I, I hear, hey, Dio, where do you get your drive from? And I still haven't figured that out. And I've gone to years of counseling. But, um, you know, the, the I do think big, but I don't know if I thought big early on yeah. and maybe I thought big, but I didn't think gigantic. So my advice would be however big you're thinking, think bigger, right? If you're 22 years old and you're trying to figure out how to make a hundred grand, be 22 years old and figure out how to make 300 grand. If you're launching a business and you're dreaming of the day that that business has X amount of associates and X amount of revenue, which equals X amount of profit, triple that number, right? Three locations, three times the revenue, three times the profit, but not three times the work with the same amount of work. So think bigger would be something that um, I would do different because I would just think, have thought bigger earlier. Nice. Good for you. My career advice, even though it wasn't asked, don't waste your time on PowerPoints or transitions because that shit doesn't matter. I love that, JC. Yes. I love the that. bane of my existence. Usually when you're in the entertainment space, whether working for Nike, they make really cool PowerPoints because fancy transitions, but and people spend their whole day, that's someone's career making PowerPoints. I mean, at some point, like you're doing a PowerPoint right now for us. <laughs> like it's the irony. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we have our regional sales rally later this week and I'm, um, I'm, I'm taking my time on, it. I'm doing a good job, but I'm just saying. No, but, but what I learned, it's the transitions. Mm -hmm. Like all that time and effort, to me, that ends up being like the law of diminishing returns. Yes. Like do a really good job mm -hmm. if you if a really good job takes you four hours. Yeah. But if a really great job takes you 14 hours, I don't but, know yeah. if those 10 hours that you used on those badass transitions and getting the video to match but, up with the music bro, and it was the right music. I'm out. 
Yeah, it's yeah. like it's overkill. It is. It ends up being overkill. Well, I love that. Advice. Okay, yeah. All so right. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sprinkle some in when I can. All right. People so love to hear from you. Unfortunately, I never give you time to talk. That's fine. That's why it works. All right. So let's role play. I'm a loan officer, Dustin. How do I deliver bad news as an LO? Ooh, just like Nike said. Just do it. You just do it. But I want to, because this came at me, I think via LinkedIn. It was a, a younger loan originator hit me up on LinkedIn. And I answered this question just yesterday mm -hmm. for, for him. And I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head. I'd give him a shout out. But unfortunately, I'm terrible with names. Shout out stranger. There we go. He knows who he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But here's what we have to understand as a mortgage loan originator. And I'm sure that this correlates to my life insurance salespeople and my financial advisors. But in this particular loan originators um, world, he was talking about low appraisals and bad credit. And I'm like, dude, it ain't your fault hmm. that person has bad credit. Just like it ain't your fault the appraisal came in low. Yeah. Just like it wouldn't be my doctor's fault that I had cancer. It wouldn't be my, my CPA's fault that I owed $80,000 to the IRS, right? All of those, that's on me. Like if I have cancer, I have cancer. What, should the doctor not tell me? Should the doctor wait three weeks? No, the doctor needs to tell me right away. He needs to jump all over it. He needs to triage it, right? Why do I owe the IRS $80,000 in taxes? Hopefully it's because I made a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. That's a great problem to have. But why is it surprising me? Because I didn't properly prepare for it. Right, I didn't set money aside when I had all those capital gains last year. So to that loan officer who is asking, how do I deliver bad news? You just do it and understand it's not your fault. Therefore, when you deliver the message, it's like one of those, it is what it is, be sympathetic. And if you can be empathetic, be empathetic. And most importantly, and this is what I want people to write down, triage it, come with a solution, come with something that this person can do to better their situation, hmm. right? So if it's bad credit, let them know, hey, unfortunately, your credit isn't sufficient to qualify at this time based on the guidelines I'm forced to follow. By the way, you don't get to make the guidelines, nor does your lender, mm -hmm. right? So it's not even your lender's fault. Like these are the guidelines set forth by XYZ regulator, mm -hmm. HUD, Department of Ed and Affairs, Rural Housing, the state bond agency, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, et cetera. Right but then give them a solution. But you know, if you were to call XYZ credit company and sit down for one of their consultations, they could help you get your score up. Or if you just paid down these three credit cards, yeah. then your score could come up. Like give them some kind of a triage treatment yeah. that they can go follow. I have a, a follow-up question yeah. to that. How do you deliver bad news when it's your fault? Let's say you messed up on something and you have to. Yeah, there's a fantastic book out there called Eat the Frog. Yeah, you eat the frog. You just do it. You own it. You own it. We're humans, right? We are humans. So, again, depending on the situation, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because we could get lost for 20, 30, 40 <laughs> minutes. But depending on the situation, come with a solution. So then it's a good news, bad news. Ma'am, I'm sorry, I have good news, bad news. The good news is, is I do have a solution. The bad news is I overlooked something. And that's normally how I like to put it. I overlooked something. It was right there in front of me. What'd you overlook? The fact that you had a foreclosure four years ago. Yeah, it was on page 19 of your 22-page credit report. And I overlooked it when I was reviewing the application that you filled out online. 
I didn't follow up with you because you checked the box that you didn't have a foreclosure, but now it's coming up that you do, right? Those are things, uh, income. I overlooked the amount of income that I'd be able to use to qualify you. I thought it was gonna be X. The underwriter said Y. I pushed back. I lost that fight. Now the underwriters cut your income. Now you don't qualify. That's the bad news. The good news is I know what it's gonna take in order for you to qualify. I'm gonna need you to refinance that car out of your name and into your spouse's name. All right, I came with a solution. So I still own it. I do my best to not make excuses, but explain. And I try to bring some form of a triage or a treatment. Well said. Next question. What is one thing LOs can do to elevate above the competition? So I love this question because it's probably a two-part answer. Like I have like a 1A and a mm-hmm. 1B answer. The first and foremost number one thing that a loan officer can do to truly elevate their game. Because this goes whether you work in a consumer direct, whether you work self-source, like it, it just overall works. Dominate your lead follow-up. I mean, have systems and processes that you follow relentlessly following up with every single lead, whether it was referred to you by the bank you work for, whether your company spent $10,000 purchasing these leads from some online lead aggregator, or whether you busted your rump building relationships in the marketplace where people referred you. Dominate lead follow-up because by doing so, you will close more transactions. When you close more transactions, you bring more revenue to your company, which means they like you more. You bring more revenue to yourself, which means you like you more. So dominate lead follow-up. That's the one A. The one B would be dominate lead generating, right? Dominate lead gen. But the reason why it's a 1B is because not everyone is put in a, in a position where they're asked to lead gen. Now, I will tell you, he or she that controls the lead. Controls the money. Controls the money. If you ever want to make serious money in any industry, be the person who controls the lead. Mm-hmm. And then be the person now that controls the lead, but then converts leads at a much higher percentage because you dominate lead follow-up. Well said. Yeah. Yep. All right, what's next, John? All right, transitioning to managers type questions. Wait, did I answer three questions for LOs already? Oh, no, you didn't. Wow, good math. I skipped over because your chicken scratch is deceitful. Question that everyone wants to ask now, is now a good time to join the mortgage industry? Yeah, so I contemplated even like writing this question down, but it's like I answer it every Every single single day. day. Yeah, and look, I love it. One of the the people who, who most recently asked it was like, yo, I love your podcast. I'm like, yo, thank you. Yeah. And... I heard you talk about how there's currently 217-ish thousand mortgage loan originators. Now you feel like that number needs to come down closer, like 150,000. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, is now a good time to get in, into the industry? My answer is always going to be yes. If you are passionate, if you are driven, if you are above average in your attitude and your aptitude and your drive, I think now is a phenomenal time to enter the industry. Because you should do anything when you're ready. Mm. You do not try to time it. The The best timing is when you're ready. The best timing is when you have the right mental focus to do what it's going to take to survive. And yes, I do believe in the theory of be fearful when others are greedy, be greedy when others are fearful. Right now, people are fearful. 
Right now, companies are being forced to do layoffs. Right now, there's massive amounts of consolidation going on. Like literally, speaking of mass, I just read yesterday that Movement Mortgage, which we give shout outs to Movement mm -hmm. all the time, I have many friends that work for Movement, just purchased a mortgage lender out of Massachusetts. Mm. Like a decent sized $2 billion operation. There's a consolidation <laughs> that we've been talking about. Right. Unfortunately, with that consolidation, I'm sure some people are going to lose their jobs because there's going to be some overlapping, right? And who usually loses their jobs? It's low producing loan originators and it's operation staff. Now, are they the low producers? I don't know. Each company does things differently. If it was my company, I would start there. But um, getting back to the viewer slash listener question, like, yes, it is a great time to be getting out there and building your business. When everyone else is, is fleeing or being forced out, you want to force your way in and put your flag in the ground, yeah. stake your claim and start building around it. And it's gonna force you to either become really good or to really quickly get out. And for that reason, I would wanna get into the business because I can imagine doing anything where I wasn't hell bent on becoming really good. Like not just really good, one of the best. I can imagine doing anything where I'm like not one of the best or at least my best. Because that was, I think, the episode that you dropped today that I was so worried about and some of the hard truths. It's like, you know, I think we titled it something like you're not good enough. Yeah. And it's like, yes and no, you're not good enough. But what does that mean? It, yeah. do, it doesn't mean don't do it. And it doesn't mean um, don't try. Yeah. It just means you have to understand there are boundaries. Right. If you really think you're going to become one of the best and you have what it takes, it's a fantastic time to get into this industry. Well said. It's also a fantastic time to buy a house. If you're in a spot where you're ready to buy a house, right? You're, you're gainfully employed. You're rooted in, in the community. You don't see yourself needing to move for three, five or seven years. Yep. Jump right in. Nice. All right. Now we are going to move on to three questions that's geared more towards people who are in managerial positions. I call management adult babysitting. That's why I don't do it. Uh, and I wouldn't disagree, <laughs> especially when you're managing salespeople. Yes. Like I have two teenagers at home. I have another 45 teenagers at work. Yeah. Except for my teenagers at work, they vary in age right. from like 24 to 64. Right. My teenagers at home are truly teenagers. They're 15 right. to 17. And they're related to you. And they're related to me. I know that because 23 and me told me so. There you go. Cotton swabs, please. What is one thing you wished more managers did? Ooh, love this question. <clears throat> love, love, love it. I wish that they studied how to become a good manager. Facts. Like read some books, attend some classes, sign up for a conference, do some kind of online learning. Like, are you reading Peter Drucker? Are you reading John Maxwell? In fact, don't read all of his, his books. I can't imagine they're all good, mm -hmm. but I've read one of his that was great. And that's the five levels of leadership. Mm -hmm. Start there and focus on being a good manager and eventually becoming a good leader. It's too many of us, me included, I was made manager well before I was a good manager and I wish I would have had people that didn't just give me a title, but also gave me the support, the mentorship that I needed to become a better manager and eventually a good leader. But um, 
Too many times we take someone who's like, you're a great technician. You should lead a team. Yep. Here hey, it is. you're one of the best that we have. You're one of the most productive we have. Let's go ahead and help you lead a team. But then they don't tell you anything else. They don't give you any resources. They don't have any KPIs. They don't have really anything. So that would be the best advice I could give anyone who's entering a management job, a leadership role, is now that comes with the responsibility that possibly on your own, you will have to study and learn how to become a good manager. Side note to that, what is one thing you've learned when you were reporting to a terrible manager? Like you had a terrible manager, just one thing you learned from that experience. I learned to keep my door open as much as possible. It's not always possible, but I had a manager whose door was always shut. And when he came out of that door, everybody cowered like a, an abused dog because yeah. you just didn't know who was going to get the the wrath. Yeah. Yes. Or if it wasn't the wrath, because he was a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, it would just be some crazy-ass idea that he wants you to go implement as it pertained to making a certain type of sales call to a certain type of client. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, God, don't pick me. Don't look at oh, me. God, don't, don't look pick shit. Me. Eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, he's going to ask me to go do this you know, last minute drive two hours away for a client that has a very low probability of closing using a strategy that's unproven. Mm, yeah. Yep. So like I knew I'm like, you know what? When, when I become a manager, I'm going to go out on my way to A, connect with my people, but, but, but B, I want to be able to invest in them, right? Both emotionally as a human, but also like professionally in terms of their, their development. All right. Good stuff. Um, next up, I'm a manager. How do I build, grow and recruit? Ooh. So let's tie this question back to, I think it was the, the, the first question about career advice, mm -hmm. right? So the best advice that I received was it's about who you know and not necessarily what you know. Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to tell you, if you're looking to grow your team, you got to know more people, right? Most of the best candidates you're going to get isn't going to come from some third party recruiter or some Indeed posting or LinkedIn posting. It's going to come from your circle. So the greater your circle is, the greater your opportunities are to have people that are referred into you by people who already know you, right? Because your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers, your ex-teammates, et cetera, they know who you are, right? They know you better than most people know you. So they also know what type of people you're going to connect really well with. So I would start there. But this is a question that I think has multiple layers. So I'm going to peel back this onion a little bit. So the first thing I'd say, if you're looking to, to grow, you got to get out there and network, expand your network and let everyone know your intentions. As you're expanding your network, let people know, Hey, this is what I am attempting to accomplish. These are the people that I'm looking for. Please keep me in mind. If you come across anybody that you think would fit well onto my team, but then you have to ask yourself these three questions, like why would someone come work for you? And I've asked these three questions to myself, both retrospectively as well as forward thinking, right? Like looking back, why did people come work for us? Why did the, why did certain ones stay? And what did we do for them? And then when I'm out looking for new people, what are three reasons why they should come work for me or with me? That is something I definitely make sure I specify. They work with me, not for me. But some people work for you. Low producers work for you. 
right? Most people, we should work together. Mm -hmm. And if you are someone who dominates the entrepreneurship that we talk about on the show, eh, maybe I'll work for you. If you're one of my top producers, yeah, maybe I'll work for you. Mm -hmm. That's a sidebar. I'm going to get back to the three things. I think you need to recognize why would someone come work for you? I have found normally it's because they want to be you. They look up to you and they want to be you. So they figured the best way to be you is to come work next to you to learn from you. Like first mm -hmm. and foremost. The second kind of ties in that they want to be you, but more importantly, they just want to learn from you. They might not want to be you, but they do, they do want to learn from you. So they're going to come to you expecting you to mentor them and coach them so that you can help them become better versions of themselves on a professional level. And if you knock it out of the park, maybe even a little bit on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And the third reason is they want what you have. They're going to come work for you because they want what you have. For me, it was systems and processes. You could come work for us and you could tie right into our systems and processes. That meant you never had to go build them yourself. Mm -hmm. We had the personnel as well as the technology that if you came to work for us, you tied right in. For some people, it may be a program, it may be a product, it may be a technology, or it may very well just be the systems and the processes and the personnel. But the three reasons why someone would typically come work for you would be A, they want to be you, B, they want to learn from you, or C, they want something that you have. Word. Okay. Are you ready for the last one? Yeah, last one. This my, is a fun episode, by my, the way. Can we do this more often? You can do. We can do whatever you want. I would love for people. <laughs> I love this. Our show. <laughs> yeah, damn I can it. do it. Yeah. Nah, I would love the the for people in the comments to let us know or hit us on LinkedIn. Yeah. Like, do you like episodes like this? Yeah, just ask questions. It gives us more opportunity to make more content. I still want that live show where yeah. we can do call-ins. I think we'll get there one day. One day. I keep talking about it. It'll happen, right? <laughs> yes, it will. What is one thing you did to become better as a manager? Oh, what is one thing that I did? That's what you, I think that's what I said. Yeah, no, that's what it was. <laughs> it was asked of me. And this was actually asked of me by one of the students that I mentor over at UCF. Mm -hmm. And it's hard finding one thing, right? Like what is one thing? Well, I started reading books is one thing. Mm -hmm. Like I went through a program called Future Leaders that was put on by my industry trade organization, the Mortgage Bankers Association. That could be one thing. I focused on training and development. That could be one thing. Like I focused on how could I be a better trainer and a better development of talent. Yep. But it really culminates to if there's one thing, it's gonna sound very basic and very tactical. Yes. Weekly office meetings, period, end of story. Weekly office meetings was the one thing that we did that was us putting our stake in the ground and staking our claim that we are legit. We are a real office, a real branch, a real team because we have meetings. So we started pretty basically, we picked a date and then we stuck to it. So if it was going to be the third Wednesday at 10 a.m., it was the third Wednesday at 10 a.m., we put it on the calendar, we made it a reoccurring event, and bam, it went out. The next thing we had to do is focus on well, how do I make this meeting worthwhile, valuable? Yes. How do valuable. I make this meeting not an yep. email? Yep. So what we did, we brought food. We would bring in soul food breakfast from a local soul food diner. And we knew 
that people would show up because that food was legit. Yep. And then it's like, okay, but what about your content? Well, it was in that content, we got to do things like train and develop. Ah, oh, we got to do things like inspire, lead, motivate, where whether it's telling a story, sharing a quote, we also got to go through operational efficiencies as well as operational improvement opportunities. And it didn't happen overnight, but we started by putting on the calendar, we brought food in, we created an agenda, and every quarter, every half year, every year, we focus on what's working, let's lean into that, what's not working, let's find something else we can do that would bring more value. So the one thing, now that I think it through, I would tell people consistently hosting branch slash team slash office meetings. Well said. That was fun, John. Yeah. If people like what we do, what do you suggest they do next? Tune out and never tune back in. Thank you. What, what is that? Some of that no, like reverse yeah, uh, psychology? psychology on Don't them? tell me I can't what I can't do. All I'm right. gonna tune in every week now. All right, we're gonna end today. Do not share this. Do not give us a five star review. Please do not go to our website. I'm sure it's terrible. I'm sure you would go there and be like, this is garbage. The loanofficerpodcast.com, tloponline.com. Uh, Don't even contemplate becoming a premium member. Mm -mm. That premium membership is such a waste of money. Yeah. Which, by the way, if it's a waste of money, you can cancel at any time. Yeah. And it's a whopping 25 bucks a month. Yeah. Which that $25 a month is like four or five Starbucks. I don't know what you're getting from Starbucks cups of water. I have no idea. I refuse to go to Starbucks because it's a terrible waste of my money. You know what else is terrible? What's that? Coffee. Okay, well, I do like coffee. <laughs> Although our buddy Chris Johnstone, shout out to Chris. Shout out Chris. We're doing some work with Chris. He was mm -hmm. a guest on the show, and now we're, we've become a client of Chris. He shared with us the other day, yeah. he's done with coffee, done with all caffeine for two years. Really? That's crazy. But back on things people shouldn't do. Do not find us on LinkedIn. Dustin owns my name. Do not go to YouTube and subscribe. We're trying to hit 12K, so please do. Do not go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, yeah. etc. Just tune us out. Just tune us out. But if you're into not doing things that you're told, we look forward to catching you on the next episode. His name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. That's all the time we have for you today. Peace. Peace.